Hello again, and welcome back to Outer 10. Just to let you know before we begin, this episode was so long and exhausting, we've actually split it into two parts. So if you haven't heard the first part, where we go through our numbers 10 to 6, do go check that out now. Right, on with the rest of the scores. I've been driving around, listening to the So, are you happy for me to move on? Yeah, yeah sure. Nice. So, uh, we have a slight, well, this will not be the first time this happens, but we have a return to franchise, uh, as my number five is entitled Binary Sunset. Okay, so this is from uh, Star Wars. Well, it's just from Star Wars. We could call it A New Hope, but we could also just call it Star Wars because that was its original title. Um, you want, you know. So you brought up, um, obviously, Duel of the Fates earlier, and you mentioned it being the most operatic. And on that, we agree. However, this, this entire score and the scene it's tied up with is so beyond memorable that it's like, practically etched in stone into the brains of everyone who's like gone near it yeah well uh, this because... scene represents what star wars is well yeah so it's this is my point so it's in this moment it's in that scene that everyone realized that star wars wasn't just like a new competing science fantasy it is a space opera that would like yeah like we said come to define all of cinema for like well, yeah, I was gonna say, for, like it's still it's still continuing to define cinema. It's yeah, it's the scene that um, that said that George Lucas wasn't just making Flash Gordon. Ex- yeah, no, that's that's that is exactly is obviously what it is. Yeah, why he had to make well, he had to make New Hope just because he couldn't get the rights to Flash Gordon. Yeah, they like, were already making it. There are so many pieces of music from 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 all the Star Wars films. Like you know, all all nine of them all have fantastic soundtracks. No matter what we think about the films themselves. Oh, but yeah, yeah. in a way, this is this is Luke's theme. But overall, this this piece is used as the sort of anthem of hope throughout all yeah, the films. Yeah, it's, it's used throughout all of them. I remember it's in. It is definitely in Phantom Menace. And yeah, yeah, and but like so in, for example, its use in the Last Jedi for showing Luke in his final moments yeah, is like yeah. it's like Amazing. it has such a weight to it that is obviously that and all of that groundwork is all in that one scene where. Luke looks into the the two sons in that one scene yeah. with this piece of music. That's how ingrained it is. That was all it was. That's all it was needed for it to then. You could just they can just <laughs> use it as free reign to make you feel emotional and hopeful about it's the a, future. It's a bit like uh, the use of the Hobbit music in a way, in terms of the way it's used as the returning motif. That yeah, is the, is the bomb. You know, it's the <laughs> bomb of that franchise. Like whenever <laughs> you drop that, you're like, no, you didn't. Yeah. No, you didn't. Oh, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's but this is more of a sort of this is less of a 
a cheerful sort of home feeling and more of a sort of it's more of a, sort of a howling into the night kind of thing yeah it's like got it's, a real aspiration to it doesn't it ex- yeah as- aspiration is the perfect word because every every kid or adult watching it from home listening to it makes them want to do something adventurous it makes them want yeah, to go exactly. out and, and be important it makes you feel important that's what so much good film music does when you listen to it it's yeah, so yeah, it, it makes, makes you feel like everything you you're doing yeah it does it's it's so it's so bizarre, and that's well. The music is tends to be the emotional hook for viewers when it's done really well. Mm. So the thing is the thing that's t- telling you how to feel. Um, it's the right kind of exposition. Yeah. Oh, exactly. It's it's actually the ultimate handhold. Yeah. Exactly. Really, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. For, but it isn't handholding because it's yeah. It's above you. It's not like it's not whispering in your ear. It's part of the fabric of of, of what you're watching. No. And, yeah. And you can read it. You read it, you know. You, yeah. You, you, you could still hate the piece of music, to be honest. Some people might hate Star Wars because they hate the music. Could happen. Yeah, I, I don't. Because it don't. just makes them feel sick. You yeah. don't know. <laughs> I think it's quite insane. <laughs> it could happen. It's laughable, but it could happen. Yeah. I think that this scene is so important to Star Wars because um, it has what I'm going to now coin. What is, it's one of the greatest things about Star Wars, which is what I would call the sublime gimmick. So the way it manages to mix a thing... Like makes something feel really sublime and really special. Like you know, like you're staring into some, like like you're Moses watching that burning bush. You know, <laughs> it, like something really important with a gimmick, which is like, oh yeah, this planet has two suns. Why not? Yeah. You know, like, and that's a lot of Star Wars. Like, and you know, um, the Jewel of the Fates we talked about earlier. Mm. Beautiful scene. Yeah. Full of great gimmicks. The laser oh, doors. Of course. Gimmick. Uh, the ultimate gimmick in that film is the dual lightsaber, which, <laughs> yeah, which, becomes, exactly. which becomes the spectacle, you know, and that's what I What's think. What's better than George... one sun? Two suns? What's what, better than one lightsaber? Two, yeah, blade? exactly. Two. Two. It's um, just so this, George this Lucas. Is the <laughs> ultimate. This is the best thing about George Lucas as a filmmaker in my, well, it's He doesn't of stop. <laughs> we just no, and sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. And, and sometimes no, it does. no, but when it does, it does. It's yeah, so good. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, I tell you what, let's just have Anakin and Obi Wan not hit each other for this like whole minute. <laughs> It'll be really cool because they're predicting each other's moves. Like, yeah, sure, whatever. It looks great, and the thing is, Lucas knows that when it looks great in film, that's kind of actually more important than it um, necessarily being great to think about. Uh, Star Wars is, yeah. um, in many ways, when it's great. Sort of surface level. I mean, like, but, um, yeah. Oh, Yoda. Yeah, he's he, yeah he's really deep, but he speaks backwards. Yeah, I think. Hey, <laughs> you know, like gimmick. It's unnecessary, but it take... makes it better, and he knows that. He knows that. And this scene, that piece of music, is so tied to what the essence of Star Wars is that hundred exactly. percent. I completely understand why it's fifth on your list. And I completely understand. And Fair. also, just to take it back slightly. In the same way that I am so thankful that we got to experience Toy Story as it was when we were kids, I I really wish I'd have been a kid watching Star Wars for the first time, having just spent like 20 minutes on a spaceship with like white walls and robots and, you know, clean soldiers, to then 20 minutes later be sat on a desert planet staring at some suns with a moisture farm and having seemingly no connection that's just such yeah. a, an amazing thing to have blended they somehow. are so far yeah 
they're, they're, all those films are, are mental, and I think people forget how mental that original trilogy is. But like you say, the blend oh, bonkers, of, yeah. The 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 blend of um <laughs> re, what what a lot of snobs would call incredibly low culture, right? Like yeah, proper pop. would call it that. Pro, yeah, yeah, but proper. But it's still true. Star Wars uses so much pop. But oh yeah. It can, but when it's well, it, it is consistently, pop now. It's, it's become yeah. it. But with the music and everything and the visuals, it. And the underlying kind of like Greek epic structures, it combines pop with like the the most historical in human storytelling that you can do, mm. uh, and it's so powerful for that. And I think yeah, you've just picked the, the best example to kind of dilute why Star Wars is great. Absolutely, congrats. Now I would like to know your number five. Uh, okay, pick a number between one and ten. Five. Oh no, please pick a different one. It can't be five. Six. Okay. Right, so the reason I got you to do that was because I hadn't. It's a I generation picked, game. No, I haven't picked my number five. There's two here that I can't pick between, and your number decided for me. Oh god, okay. Yeah, so by the way, I <laughs> will talk about the other piece, but you've picked this piece as the main piece. And by the way, I don't know what it is yet because I can just see the YouTube link. So I'm just oh, gonna because okay. by the way, everyone, we're listening to these as we go. Uh oh, leaving Hogwarts. This is called. So this is leaving Hogwarts from uh, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Don't you mean by... Sorcerer's Stone? Ha 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 ha. Ha ha. By a young man called John Williams. Heard wow, of him. he's come up. Uh, he's come up before, hasn't he? I know. I think. The thing is, though, I, I haven't got a chance to like really lay into him because I have so many criticisms of him <laughs> as, a, as a guy as well. But the thing is, he's like he, when he hits well, he's so good. I just think that. Uh, John Williams often has to really be pushed into interesting areas to shine because a lot of the time I feel like he recycles his ideas. Like there's literally parts of Indiana Jones that sound exactly the same as Star Wars. Like Leia's theme, I swear, is the romantic theme in Indiana Jones. It's just the same. Yeah. Anyway, aside aside from that, uh, leaving Hogwarts is the is the end piece to Philosopher's Stone. And um, I'm not going home. So- Oh, not really. Stop it! So I, <laughs> I will I, not. I picked that over um, the prologue music, which is basically the dum ba dum bum ba bum. Well, that's Hedwig's theme. The prologue includes the the additional um, sort of light uh, sort of xylophone bits. That were yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's that's what I I like that more because I I, I love the way that the uh, prologue like yeah, uses uh, I understand. the sounds of, like glasses. Well, the thing is. Okay, so I've listened to the entirety of all the Harry Potter scores to pick the, to pick the one Good. that I was going to go for. Very easy thing uh, to do. And I'm going to right now shout out, I think they've got the best score ever. So 
I, 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 I would also say that Harry Potter is the best franchise for music. For the same okay. reason, I think this is something that I well, look without wishing to be too too coy about this, but I think the 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 main reason that 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 I agree with you is because it's the one franchise for music and as films generally that they're not afraid of changing. Yeah, it's True. one of the pe- most peculiar things. But obviously, your 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 pick is is very much rooted in in the in the in the start. Do you do you do you think that Philosopher's Stone has the best Potter soundtrack? Uh, then how, I I don't know when we talked about when we've uh, been watching our Harry Potter films. Yeah, we uh, did say that the sixth film has got the best soundtrack, and I think that the th- I actually want to amend that statement. I think the first and the sixth film, well, the first slash second and the sixth, I think have all got the best soundtracks. The do second you know how one I is basi- the second one is basically the first film with a few more bits. Yeah, and then the. Uh, the sixth film is like the dark evolution of the first, of like <laughs> I can't believe how you got there. You yeah, know? it's the <laughs> most melancholy soundtrack. Um, by the way, another story from uh, Order of the Phoenix is thirteenth on my list. Wow, uh, that was really close. Uh, I to mean, it in here, yeah. <laughs> I, the way I would I usually put it is I think Harper Prince has the best Potter score as a film, but as a composer, Williams is pro- has probably given the best overall contribution doing the first three. Yeah, well played. Because creating that that melody, even if it's tied a little bit in with, uh, you know, another famous bit of soundtrack, it sounds like Schindler's List. Yeah, yeah. it does a bit. <laughs> but it's really awkward. It's his contribution is still, you know, and the fact that he went from, like you say, he did Chamber of Secrets, which was, you know, a lot like this one, and then did Azkaban, which was completely fucking different. Yeah, yeah, yeah very. Like, without impressive. without any hesitation, no problem. Yeah, let's just change the entire yeah, tone like... of the films with the soundtrack. Yeah, that's in, in, incredible. In, incredibly impressive. I think. It's, I think. I actually genuinely think, as a composer, the Harry Potter music is John Williams' most interesting. Interesting. Maybe. It is his most, in terms of his use of instruments that you don't hear in other Williams soundtracks, like the xylophones and the glockenspiels, and um, you know, and 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 like the the abrasive strings sometimes. You know the. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in, in Harry, that was my best impression. Um, yeah, but yeah, so anyway, why did I pick Leaving Hogwarts? So for me, this one piece summar- uh, it summarizes what I love about it's a bit like your Star Wars choice, really. It Warm summarizes. Oh, um, yeah, but unbelievably <laughs> so. Like, um, I talk about um, concerning, it's a very concerning Hobbits piece of music. So the concerning Hobbits um, represents home in the context of the film, but when I hear Leaving Hogwarts, it actually represents home in real life to me. Like, right, I okay. feel so at home when I hear this. Like, I feel, I can't hear this and not feel six years old, which I, or it sounds mental, doesn't it? But I can't. If you played and... this on, like, Christmas evening, you'd just be like, you'd be in heaven. Yeah, you it's would. Like, it's that. It's that full, sort of, full belly, yeah. warm, sat down, lazy, just... Let the let let the music. The real shame of thing. this. Listening to this music, when Daniel Radcliffe and Co are dead in real life, and we're still <laughs> alive, and we're like ninety, Hooray! watching this is going to be so painful. Oh yeah, you're absolutely. Gonna, you're going to be watching dead people walk. I'm to glad you brought music. the tone of this discussion down. To no, that. no, 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 no. But seriously, like this boils down <laughs> oh what it is. Like, like this this music is so life affirming. That it's yeah. gonna be brutal to see dead people walk to it. It's gonna be awful. There's gonna be no bigger okay? moment in my there's gonna be no bigger moment in my life 
when I know that death is coming than oh when, than when I see dead Daniel Radcliffe on that train and I think he's finally boarded that, that train. Sixth Sense? I'm going to get on that train. <laughs> you know, oh you can God. get on if you want to. Well, I, well, I am apparently going to get on that train because the thing is, I, think I it's can't. Wa- inside your head. I cannot. Uh, uh, hey, what, what makes you think that doesn't mean it, it's real? Anyway, so I <laughs> very uh, was very eyes wide shut. Snappily, but bro. anyway, um, I yeah, I just can't listen to this music <laughs> and not feel like my whole life is completely worth it. They're going to say worthless then. Sorry. No, it's it's amazing, uh, and I tell you what, um, it's, if uh, I've, I've been trying to learn it on the piano, and I've noticed that like, um, so you've got the main bit of music, and then you've got like these really gradual kind of chromatic run ups. So kind of going, uh, <laughs> like it just this this thing climaxes twice. Yeah. Oh my God, like like you. Yeah, yeah. Right now, it climaxes. <laughs> it climaxes what? Like it has really nice. Then it builds, and then it and then it climaxes, yeah. and then it goes again. And it literally, <laughs> you might as well have John Williams' face coming out of the screen, going hungry, because you literally can't have anything that is more like in your face and like feel warm, yeah, feel he's un- warm. He's unrelenting. He's unrelenting in the best possible way. Yeah. And you know the moment where he goes, uh, da, 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 da. Oh, it's More just perfect. Less. It's just perfect beauty in a handful of song. And I tell you what, <laughs> just go home and listen to it. Watch the film. I, anyone, and we said this before when we did the review, anyone who doesn't like this film has not got a soul. Sorry. What a lovely way to end your analysis on. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I just can't. It's just so good. It's so good. Like it is everything perfect about cinema in a piece of music, and it's incredibly sentimental. But like Hagrid's such a legend. Like, oh. Please no, look, look, you just ended that so well, and then you start talking about Hagrid. <laughs> what are you doing? Let's <laughs> just move on. Good. Okay. Composure. Right. So composure. Compose. My... Sorry. What is wrong with you? So, my number four is entitled, Brooke Was Here. So this is, of course, from the Shawshank Redemption, uh, this piece being composed by Thomas Newbin. I say this piece, I think the entire soundtrack is composed by him. Um, Now, I don't feel like I need to sell this movie to anyone, naturally, but I genuinely think that this piece of music is the reason why this film is a 10, whether whether you think it is or not. Uh, Should I actually ask, what did you think? Because I know you, <laughs> we used uh, to disagree about the Shawshank Redemption. Oh, I, I don't know if it's a 9 or a 10, but either way, it's like, if it's out of 100, you know, we're talking like 99 if I'm not going for 100. <laughs> like, it's, um, 
I mean, this and the film after it, The Green Mile, which are both directed by the same guy. Yes. And both um, great films about prison and sure. what it does to people and whatnot. Anyway, so, uh, Shawshank. Uh, so, but I mean, my this... initial reaction to this this time, I'm, I won't say it until you've talked about it, actually, because I don't want well, to. Well, okay, so just for, for clarity, this, this piece of music is the accompaniment to the section around the middle of the film, which is when Brooke, who's one of the oldest prisoners, is let out. Oh um, my goodness, which is like the best part of the film, in my opinion. Well, it's, it is my point. It's the centre, it's the, it's, it's the poignant moment of the film. Weirdly, even, you know, uh, beyond what anyone thinks it might be, because it's the moment where you realise that the people on the inside of the prison aren't just imprisoned there, you know, physically. And basically, without which well, I have to spoil it, really. But the whole the plight of of Brooke is that minutes. he can't live outside of prison, and he ends up killing himself. Yeah, and um, it's true of a lot of people. I remember um, I watched this film the day before I went to university because I was doing a film course, and my dad was like, "You can't have this spoiled for you." Yeah, yeah, and basically, I mean, I, I'm well over it now, but like, I I didn't realize until I went to uni like how um, ingrained into what's the word where you've like been in prison so long that you're institutionalized, institutionalized. i didn't realize how institutionalized i'd been by being at school for 14 <laughs> years you oh know? okay uh, and so i went through the whole first month of university feeling like um like like brooke or andy dufresne or yeah like when you got out you've got to have a plan you know yeah. um so it was a very important film for me for that reason uh, and that scene is incredibly like you say poignant because being institutionalized means that yeah, it's not that it's the, it's the outside and the way it encroaches on your actual spirit and the yeah. way you are. Well, yeah. the, the reason it's the center of the film is because the whole point is that Andy has to choose between either life essentially or life in prison, and the, without that scene, that that whole section, the montage of Brooke sending the letter back to uh to uh to the boys back at the prison. Is I it, genuinely I think it's the saddest thing I've ever seen on film personally. Um, yeah, it might be, and that that really slow and horribly melancholy melody alone carries that weight without a single misstep. And, um, and that's why, is... if without that scene, the whole film, the structure, the structure is it's like it, this is the tentpole. This is what holds up the entire narrative. I think. Genuinely. This says a lot about. Uh, so can I tell you my reaction to it upon not realizing what scene it's from? Sure, yeah. So my initial reaction uh, was not knowing what scene it's from. This I think this just proves how important um, your perception of film music is to uh, what it's tied to. Sure. Uh, to what it's wedded to. So um, I was literally like, oh, okay, yeah. This reminds me of like in the nineties where like most film soundtracks for like films that wanted to be a bit uh a bit edgy did no i was literally like i can't believe you think that america i was literally like oh it's it's just like kind of doing an american beauty thing or like a donnie darko thing well of course thomas newman did uh, american beauty didn't he did he yes he did there oh there you go well it's just him then that's that's fine it is i mean mean, that's another that's another another 90s film obviously um Yeah, yeah But well, I think talk, well, you're like, well, you're right, and that in a way, because and and the the weird thing is, is the soundtrack when you first hear it, and it's interesting that obviously not knowing what scene it was from for you, 
is that it it starts off sounding quite hopeful. Yeah, um, yeah. and it sort of it holds on to that hope, I guess. But yeah, yeah, of course. But it doesn't take long in this piece of music for that sort of that hope to tailor off, and by the end of it, turn quite despairing. Yeah, um, which is a you know any any level of musical journey is is amazing, obviously. But yeah, I was just listening to this. It makes me want to just like call up my grandparents and check they're okay. Because <laughs> it's intermission. Just, yeah. <laughs> Shit, I've got to fuck. Oh my god. Um, yeah, because yeah, oh, it sounds so gushy. But like the, the whole like is that this is what you say. Like you have to basically when when yeah once once you leave the structure of whether it's prison or school or whatever, you have to remind yourself or have other people remind you that there is something worth living for and the, the the biggest tragedy in that whole scene is that brooks brooke thinks that he has nothing to live for and he's right and that's like the most horrible thing yeah which is why he you heard my, my legs have now got a hot flush yeah that. <laughs> well yeah that's horrible yeah but it's true because it's the way that american society treats people they yeah. should be disgusted I say they should be disgusted. Let's look at ourselves. Well, we yeah. don't treat people coming out of prison with the right respect. Because to be honest, this is the thing that annoys me. And I know it's tough, especially if people have done a certain bad thing, right? Yeah. But like certain bad things that are honestly, like they are unforgivable. But if you're saying that going to prison is serving your time, then there's an element to which I think, apart from with certain crimes, when you're out of prison... That's it. And it shouldn't be hard to get a job anymore. Say it was theft over, you know, the, we're talking serious, horrible crimes that I don't want to talk about. Which, yeah, yeah I, I get why there's a list because, you know, of safety course. of everyone. Uh, but, but, you know, the fact you still need to make sure that everyone who comes out of prison can be guaranteed a job. You need to. It's not fair. Well, that's because the point. Those, re- people re- have, those people have done bad things, but if, they, if you're not actually giving them anything when they're out, then you're not at all living up to the promise you made to that prisoner when they went to prison, which is you will serve your time. Because actually it means their time is life anyway when they're outside, and that's the problem for Brooke. And it also, and yeah, you're right, and it says a lot to what you're basically telling to your own community, is that you're saying you don't want the community to heal, you want punishment, you want yeah. retribution, you want revenge, you don't want things to get better, you want what's happened to be paid for. Which yeah. is and that, and that's and that's obviously and that's a difficult thing to get over and with obviously all all societies are still struggling with it apart from yeah, Scandinavia because they've nailed it but you know yeah uh, they're <laughs> so, aren't they? but um, they're so good that we literally live in a country right round the corner from them but we just obsess <laughs> over France uh, like we literally <laughs> we basically ignore the islands there I forget it exists and then you've got a whole like so, like other continent type thing up up above you that is nailing it. And we just like ignore it. We're like, oh yeah, our country kind of looks the same shape as you, so we'll just focus on France. There we go. So the Shawshank Redemption is the Norway of films. Now, what's your number four? Um, my number four is Gonna Fly Now.
that was the theme from Rocky by Bill Conti. Um, yes, it's from the film Rocky. Yes. Where, My God. Which, <laughs> which, what uh, a camp I, song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so it kill- camp. Yeah, no, no, no. But it kills it. It's perfect. Um, oh, so Rocky obviously won the, the best Oscar in 1976 and uh, was an un- is, is the underdog movie. Uh, and, you know, everyone loves an underdog. Like, see a local... Uh, you see, locals love a fighter, you see. But anyway, um, <laughs> so... No, no, but it's the classic underdog movie. I mean, I don't I don't know if there was an underdog movie before this movie. Um, and it's an underdog movie on two levels. One, on the plight of Rocky, the uh, Southpaw boxer, who uh, is basically... Um, it, I wouldn't be going too far to say that he's probably got some learning difficulties. <laughs> uh, and he well, he's played by to... Sylvester Stallone, so he's got to. We'll get that. And he struggles to um, like relate to people, and it's about him. The, the film is a lo- is actually a love story uh, about him falling in love with a um, an, a girl who also has difficulties, and it's a beautiful film. Uh, but it's also about how um, Rock is trying to push himself, like to be you know the best he can be, to go the distance, etc. Uh, and you've also got on top of this. <laughs> Uh, you've got the meta thing of the fact that this film for Stallone was his like his last try to to make it, his last try to really really nail Hollywood and to to get himself in there. Like um, this film was completely his passion project, and uh, like it's just such a big victory. I, I love Sylvester Stallone, but this film was part of it. Like that guy's an underdog. You know that in his um in his his book, what's it called, the yearbook at school, he was voted most likely to end up in the electric chair. And stuff like that. Like mm. everyone always told him he'd never amount to anything. And now think... that guy has has represented the biggest underdog in film and someone who was destroyed by the Vietnam War in film, Rambo. But this song, okay, one this piece of music's really inspiring and it's married to the um the montage scene where Rocky goes from, you know, uh being quite unfit to like being able to climb those stairs at the end of that scene. At the end of the scene, you're like, yes, Rocky, climb it's, those stairs. It, it's not just tied to that montage. It's tied to every training, every montage. Yeah, every training like montage. This, this, when, for, when I first started listening to this, because I'd kind of forgotten what it was, to be honest, I, I was just like, oh, this is just, this is like that song that people play when they want to be uplifting. Like, it's just part of the zeitgeist now. It's It's like... For most people, this song is not even rock from Rocky anymore. Yeah, it's, even it's, though it is. Yeah, no, it is, and it's it's like the you know it's, there's it's like, like the eight, whole, there's like eight Rocky films. It's the, <laughs> so, it's the We Will Rock You thing. It's like it's no longer part of what it used to be. It's now just part of culture. Yeah, almost yeah, exactly. it's, it has transcended its original value weirdly, and it deserves it. Obviously, like it's I, really it's a really strange piece of music. Like um, as a piece of uh, film music to. Uh, a lot of it's in the drumming. Like you don't get that in in kind of what I've called like classical music. This is like big band kind of jazz mixed with absolute rock with the guitar solo in the middle. When with that guitar section, I never fucking heard that. Yeah, this whole where did that come from? Thing, that was beautiful. That was oh, amazing. amazing, isn't it? That's the thing. It is cheesy, but like that comes with it being a Stallone thing. Like when you, well, it's yeah. the same as like it's same as like anything by Schwarzenegger, like but less so like. Stallone is basically a grounded Schwarzenegger. So that doesn't say much, but yes. No, but you get what I'm saying. I I, I feel like um the, the cheesiness 
becomes a big part of the charm of why it's really fun. Well, it says a lot about this piece of music that the uh, the next recommended song on YouTube is the Bee Gees staying alive. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. that says everything you need to know about what this is. What this is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I just think. I think. Well, do you have anything to say? I, I just think the use of drumming. I don't have that much really to cool. say. There's like I, the bit where he starts playing um, what sounds like a pipe, like just hitting the side of a pipe. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, like the steel, the steel drum thing. And then I also love how um, sort urban drum thing. And then obviously the da da da. I literally went when I put this on my list. It's fourth place. I literally went round all day at work going. Ba da ba, ba da ba, and other people at work started singing it, and everyone was getting well pumped off it yeah. and talking about how like inspired they are by this. I mean, I work in a um in like a fridge basically, and uh, that's where in in the film that's where Rocky trains. So it's like it was like really cool because everyone there's um yeah they, they like Rocky and I don't that, know that really explains cool. why you really like uh, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Why? Oh, the fridge. <laughs> The fridge is so good at that, but yeah, I, I it's you a strange a thing. Um, I'm trying to back up why this piece of music's great because like no, I say, you don't need it, to. The it, thing it, is, it would be it would be like trying to explain why we were rock you is great, but it's transcended yeah. the thing that it is. And the montage scene from this, it was the it was the montage scene that we studied at uni. Like it's a really important montage. It's mm. amazing. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, in, in terms of in terms of in in the space of two and a half minutes. This music and that montage tell the narrative of the guy going from not being fit enough to fight the best boxer in the world to being yeah. possibly fit enough. Like I, I, dr- I, I, I dread to imagine how many dissertations have been written to this sound. Yeah, exactly. Like that. Yeah, <laughs> but you don't. But that's the thing. You don't need to justify it because even I, I don't obviously personally have the same sort of personal connection with it that you obviously do yeah because i love like, stallone he's in my top 10 actors and i love the rocky movies but but there's like there's, there's so little to say like as soon as you hear it you're like oh yeah that's like that that's that's just that piece of music that's just that's is that's part of what every every single human being knows and no one and it's been parodied to fuck obviously yeah, yeah. like in you don't mess with a zohan just saying well, that's a really good one yeah we don't even need to list the number of <laughs> things that use it but yeah, it's just it it just did one of those things where it just it, it it resonated so well that it just accidentally drew attention away from itself almost. Yeah, and I'd like to say I put it so high because it I can't hear this and not feel incredibly motivated and pumped. Like yeah, I you can't you can't like, deny I that. currently feel like going on a run. Like, yeah, I feel. Yeah, I hate let's end it here. Right, thanks for listening. Yeah, <laughs> like <sighs> honestly. Um, and by the way, this montage has got one of my favorite ever shots in cinema, which is there's a shot where um you see like you, it's like towards the end of the song where you know the trying hard now the really funny bit <laughs> the it's jokes. bit. Yeah, fine. It does sound. Like, it does sound. <laughs> sorry. Like the, um, the, no, it does sound like I couldn't bird. help it. I didn't. Want it's true. It does sound like a bullet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, sorry. What's, um, what's the shot? So he. It's when he. So they've, they've framed it. It's this massive, wide um, shot of uh, it's like a kind of a two D shot. If that makes sense, of him running from right to left of the screen. Oh, okay. And the camera's oh, it's like a dolly shot moving from right to left with him and tracking him as he runs past a massive, like what must be like a massive cargo boat. And okay. he in this frame, it looks like he's going hundred miles an hour. Like it looks like you are looking at physical perfection. Oh really? Because yeah, it's so strong. Because that's the thing about the underdog, uh, such a strong underdog movie. It makes you want to, um, like, like Rocky, like go out there, find love, and at the same time reach your personal goals. Yeah, <laughs> that's the dream. Find love 
and win boxing matches. And I know, and I know that you personally, because you don't like sport, are probably I'm, quite. I'm, I'm morally quite, against sport. Yeah, I feel like you're probably like really disinterested in the idea of watching Rocky. Is that correct? Uh, right. So the funny thing is, I was until you told me that it was about him finding love in someone who also had learning difficulties. I hadn't. We, I didn't have a sodding yeah, clue that's that that literally, was, what it was about. That is literally the main thing about the film. But you do realise like, in all the years the you've been trying to get me to watch it, you could have just said that and I would have actually watched it. I am well, going to watch it let, now. Let, well, let me put it this way, okay? Every most good films, you you could not. You'd really struggle to make a good sport film that's about just sport. Coach Carter is a pretty good sport film. That's like a low seven, but that's about young men learning to respect themselves. And that's what's interesting. The sport is like in action movies where the action has got to have an important backdrop to make Mm. it exciting. It's got to have that extra story, that element of drama to make it exciting. It's a lot why like to outsiders, some sports, say cricket might seem really boring. But if Mm. you but if you were into cricket, you might understand the personal stories of every player on that pitch. You might have a specific love for one angle. There's so much um overarching narrative in all sports whether that's why do Liverpool and Manchester United not like each other you know and that's the thing like it's very similar about action movies and yeah sport film like this and I guess that's probably as well uh, the relationship in terms of what I'm saying about how for an action action in action movies is good because of everything around it has to be good and you have to root for that character you know you want Rama to get out of the raid alive <laughs> Because you know he's got a pregnant wife at home. Yeah? And if he can yeah. take the brother home, great. Because he can have the perfect family. He can fix it, you know, in the raid. Um, yes. John Wick, uh, spoilers, if they did not kill the dog at the start of that film, yeah, yeah. it would not be the same. You wouldn't they be just as bloodthirsty the car. as he is. No, you would not. And yeah. in Rocky, you have to really, really love him. And know him on an element that is more than his sport. It's about his relationships with others and how yeah. he struggles. You and go. you've got to just want him to win. And I tell you what, I cried in Creed 1. I cried. And that's seven films in. So they were doing something right. Rocky, if you ask me, and it, it, this this is his theme. And I can't remove that from my love of him. Okay, yeah. He is, in my opinion, definitely top 20 film characters of all time. <laughs> definitely. Awesome. Let's move on. So, my number three is entitled Edoras. So this is from, again, we're back to Lord of the Rings, but this is uh, from Two Towers, um, obviously composed by Howard Shaw, who we don't need to talk about actually this time. Um, So 
this is, it's, I mean, look, the, the problem is because, like we said, f- as a franchise, for, for one single composer carrying it, Howard Shaw is more or less unbeaten. Um, and I think the thing you said while you were listening to that that was perfect was that it tells a story. And that is the, that's the thing about all of the pieces of music from the whole franchise is that they all tell a very unique story in each bit. So your piece was the piece you you chose was all about the uh, the emotional sort of heart of of being sort of of home and familiarity that's central to the films. I think for me, I picked this piece, which is the uh, the piece that signifies uh, Rohan and their main city, Edoras. So it's which is basically the introduction of the proper introduction at least of men into the story um as opposed to just seeing like aragorn um and it's i don't it's hard to say why it's why it's absolutely my favorite i think it's because it's that that whole that one violin piece is like for me the centerpiece of what the story is about because the whole the whole three parts is all about the end of the magical age and the beginning of the age of men isn't it and mm. Like everything about that struggle of the sort of um, sort of humility uh, and melancholy with sort of defiance, sort of slightly peeking through, is sort of exemplified so so nicely. Yeah, in that one piece of music, it goes between um, a kind of bold delicacy and an actual boldness. Yeah, like big exactly. swells, aren't there? Where it's like we are men, basically. If you know, what also I mean. like we're men, but we're men, but we're men. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <It's>... we're men. <laughs> but... we have hearts. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and it's they're very, doing something. It's, ve- it's a very chivalrous piece of music. <laughs> yeah, but 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 like, and like like the film, it's it represents the shift in the tide, because it, it's at this point that suddenly there's there's a cause to fight for, essentially, mm. because everything up to that point had been sort of just trying to keep up with everything that was going on whereas introducing rohan as a as a as a community is sort of what starts to breathe life back into the story a bit maybe that's just me postulating that's always how i felt as it but the the other well, thing well it it becomes more about just getting that ring to the mountain you see the bigger picture of what will happen if they don't get it there you know well well kind of it's all but in a way it's also the opposite of that because up until this point that's the only thing you've known about and then suddenly you realize that the implications are not just that's what I of mean. oh I see yeah so it's not just of the world but it's also of the actual communities that are trying to flourish yeah exactly like it, it's going on it brings it down to lol the the human element yeah uh, <laughs> no but it is yeah yeah, and that moment, this that that piece of music we just listened to was the moment where, uh, oh, what's her fucking name? What's <laughs> I forgot her bloody name? Oh, she just... killed the Witch King of Angmar, and I forgot Aowen. her bloody name. Aowen, that's she's, it. She's she walks no out, and the uh, exactly, and the uh, and the flag falls off and floats down, and it's just like one of the most oh, yeah, perfect yeah. scenes. Is that so? Is that when she walks out while uh, King Ferdin is still uh, yeah, under exactly. the grip of Grima? Exactly, that is the point. It's, it's, so, like, it's, it's so still melancholy, it? but it's yeah, sort of yeah. with the with the with the fellowship coming over the hill. It's sort of starting. The hope is starting to come back into the world. What do your elf eyes see? <laughs> Fuck off! It's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite. Fucking loser. Um, but yeah, and the other thing is that that piece of music, because like we said, it's sort of it's like it's it doesn't know what its identity is, and that's proof of how music changes its emotion and feeling with context, mm. because. 
yeah, in a diff- over a different scene, that very same melody means something very different. You know what it's like? It's like oh, I forgot what it's called. You know, you know, Hitchcock did that thing where he showed two bits of like a reaction yeah, shot, the, two bits of footage, called, and it makes you. It's called think, the Kuleshov effect. Perfect. Thank you. This is why you're here. Um, it's like that, but for music, in a way, in that you can you show it in a different context, and it makes you feel either you makes you feel really like you say defiant and hopeful, or it makes you feel completely despairing. Of what's going on. Well, I guess in that situation, playing a bold piece of music is quite ironic. It's like, oh, I hate how men are so arrogant and think they're so great. You know, yeah, exactly. You know? It embodies everything that's Especially good and bad like about one it. One of the only women in the in the films. Yeah, well, like, so, yeah, so, so, quite. You've got, so you've got the woman walking out on the men because because I mean, it's, it's meant to be quite s- simple. You know, old medieval style imagery that trilogy. You know, so you know, like how Galadriel represents. You know. Well, all women the women have their, their heads their screwed on straight. And... That's the funny thing. Yeah, and yeah, it's oddly all of the men who are screwing things over, mm. and that's kind of. And this is kind of in a way when it first when this piece of music first turns up, it's like her lament of of what's happened to Theoden and her world essentially. Yeah, well, she's the one who's going to king, kill the witch king. So yeah, she's... exactly. And so it's like this is for me that that this is where that started. And I never, and I've just, I, and you know, I'm not gonna, not gonna lie. The main reason it's here is because this is my favourite bit of melody in it. Like there is, there's so many bits of music you can pick from these films, but this just happens yeah, yeah. to be my favourite. It favorite probably one. is, it probably is the best. Well, I think. <sighs> well, I don't know. We've just said that about Harry Potter, and I've also got something coming up that I'm also gonna claim. For that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. see how that goes. Yeah, <laughs> I think well we've covered so much of Howard Shaw. We can probably we can probably move on to your number three. Sure. Um, okay, this is the good, the bad, and the ugly. So that was uh, The Good, The Bad and The Ugly by Ennio Morricone, I believe is how you say that. Lovely. I can't so, correct you. Um, oh, he died this year, didn't he? Well, uh, we do. Anyway, so um, here's this is mental. I've never seen this film. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. I've not, I've not seen this. This rather, uh, well, I haven't either. <laughs> yeah. Um, Shit. But, uh, this is a serious objective pick. Okay. Because it's this... the first objective pick, seemingly. Well, yeah, sort of. <laughs> I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I think it's awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. Especially because it's so weird. Like, who thought? Yeah. Oh, um, Western. Okay. Um, ow, wow, yeah. And then have someone else go. Wow, wow, wow. Is that, that a is person? M- I actually, I wonder. The second one does. It and does the first sound one sounds, like it. They both sound like people going. It sounds like. The age before the war pedal existed, so they had to improvise. Yeah, so they were different people. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and I tell you what, the most similar thing is to this outside of this is the Ayah by Led Zeppelin. What immigrant song? You know, that's funny actually because I was actually going to say the most similar thing uh, musically is uh, "Murder Mystery" by the Velvet Underground. 
Oh, really? Why? Yeah, the guitar. The guitar. Yeah, what? Oh, yeah. It's that. But I tell you what, there's loads of electric guitar in this. Absolutely loads. It sounds like it sounds very sixties. Sounds like it's from the shadows by the shadows. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The the thing is about this quite interesting about what this piece was doing, and it's is it's kind of similar to Rocky that we just had. Is that this film never thought that it was going to be considered high art. But the weird thing is about The Good, Bad, and the Ugly, it's often considered to be... I've not seen it because I'm saving it because I don't want to run out of amazing... You know, like, there's films that you know are meant to be top level. You don't want there to be you... any westerns you, have, you, you haven't you have seen. No, no, no. I'm saying I don't want to run out of te- films that I know are meant to be 10 out of 10s. Oh, I see. Because I'm, I'm running out. Like, there's very few left that I haven't seen. So this and Seven we'll Samurai get you. are the two that I'm saving. So, like... um. <laughs> Anyway, I know it's kind of stupid, and everyone who is listening to this who loves that trilogy, I have seen the first one. It's great. Um, but yeah, basically, this music has been parodied ridiculously, even by people who love it, like um, arguably parodied more than the uh, the Rocky theme. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. This is the most parodied piece of music <laughs> ever in film. And the thing is, it's so bold with what it's doing. Uh, and I just don't get how they thought this music was ever going to represent the Western. <laughs> it's mental. It's so weird that they thought, yeah, yeah, yeah Western. I just don't get it. But well, that one go. opening it's, it's sound on its own, yeah. you just need it's to play enough. that. Yeah, and, and everyone's like, oh, I know this. in a Western. Yeah, um, it's so important. And uh, obviously, Ennio Morricone is kind of seen as now like the king of the Western soundtrack. Like he did the Hateful Eight soundtrack eventually and stuff like that. Oh, working with them. Yeah, and he's oh. he's tight. He works. He works, used to work a lot with um, what's his name, Sergio. Leone he used to do a lot of the old spaghetti westerns and stuff. And uh, I just okay. think there's there's a great thing about like Well there's these, a lot to be said about something that that's so in, it's sort of incredibly captivating that, that it's un, that it's become unavoidable in terms of society. It's technically yeah, like, it's like, you know, being, not, not being viral makes something good, obviously. But no. in this case, like you say, it can be used when it when used well. This kind of, you using that as using this as a parody can actually, and people use the tones of this and not the same melodies to create, like the I mean I know Western. exactly. This music um, means a western. Yeah, I mean it's kind of a bit silly because I've put this in and I haven't put The Shining in, and like I said to you, The Shining would be the perfect example of a horror soundtrack in terms of what everyone has copied in terms of the the sudden strings and but the, you know the jump I know and. The reason why I think it this this belongs here in The Shining in that respect doesn't is because when people adapt the uh, the sort of the sounds of The Shining into their films, you, what you end up with is uh, the horror genre right now, which is continues to be very saturated with shite that just uses the stuff that The Shining did, but in a very cheap way. Yeah. Whereas I think the the motifs from The Good, The Bad, The Ugly are still more or less being used to make films more interesting, or at least haven't been sort of muddied in the same way that horror film tropes have. Yeah, well, because the, the, the thing is, I think the Western, at least after 1971, has not been a genre which has been at the forefront of um, society in the same way that... In, in a way that, like, so a lot of people um, who aren't that into films have seen every horror movie under the sun yeah. that I know. Like, they've seen it all. They're like, yeah, Paranormal Activity... 12, yeah, my favourite. 
you know, uh, <laughs> um, you know, Freddy versus Jason, which I I, I haven't seen it, but I, I presume that's a Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street mashup. It is. Doesn't make any. All oh, right, that doesn't make I'm any sure sense. Sure, it's going to, me. to be just as impressive as uh, as Alien versus Predator or Kramer versus Kramer. Well, this is the thing. Kramer versus Kramer is amazing. Anyway, <laughs> um, it's not how it sounds. It's about divorce. It is. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Yeah. For it. It's going to be such a mashup. Oh, you should see it. It's, it's absolutely heart destroying. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Sorry. so basically, uh, I guess what I'm saying is the Western has always kind of been held up in uh, film societies as kind of being like a really important, great thing. And even when it is bad. Even when there are bad westerns, the difference with bad westerns to bad horrors is no one sees the bad westerns, or they are literally just shrugged off as Saturday afternoon cowboy films. Yeah, and that's it. Like you can shrug it off because it's not. Um, they're not annoying. They're just boring. Whereas mm. horror films that are bad are annoying. Uh, so exactly. I think that's probably why. But yeah, no, this, that's why this, this is brilliant. This piece of music's a ten. I haven't seen the film, so it's kind of weird that I picked it, but I just couldn't. It didn't sit right for me not putting this in the top three. Fair enough. You go. Right. So, my number two is titled Lily's Theme. So, this is from Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Uh, this is composed by Alexandra Despierre. <coughs> Excuse me. Alex- Alexandra Despierre. <laughs> <laughs> Help. <laughs> Alex. Al- oh, I feel- Alexandra Despierre. There you go. That's there you go. It's by him, Um, or her? Is it? It is a him, isn't it? I've been assuming it's a him all this time. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. maybe it's Alexandra. Shit! Oh, it doesn't matter. They. Oh no! Um, Is a is a bloke. Okay. Thank God. My misogynistic opinions stand. Yeah, it is a bloke. Be had. Yeah. Is he just a bit girly looking? Anyway, he's French. You know, bloody French. Anyway, um, so yeah, I stand by. Um, the uh, Harry Potter series having the best overall music as we've discussed I still think Williams is the best overall contributor I still think the Half-Blood Prince is the best movie for, but Lily's theme I just think is the best piece of music and like they, 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 they outdid themselves and they didn't even touch the main melody with it it's astonishing yeah, like this cool. like I, I, we, I know we haven't done our review for it yet which is annoying but Suffice to say, I have a lot of problems with this film, but the soundtrack is not one of them. Not even, not even close. Like the soundtrack has a lot of music in it that is individual to that film and is amazing. And it also brings back a lot of the old stuff in really clever ways. Yeah, but what what I love about this piece of music again is it 
it exemplifies the change in the series, and that's okay. And what I love is that there's something that the film does, and this exemplifies so well, is that the story isn't about Harry, it's about Lily. Because everything that happens, you find out, is actually because of her, not Harry. I like how this 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 music it, this this piece is the centerpiece of the film. Like it's used at every poignant moment because it ties together. It ties it ties up neatly. It ties up Snape, Harry, Dumbledore, and Lily all in one in one sort of in one sort of piece throughout the whole film. And it's just so sort of beautiful as as well as being really sad. <laughs> Like it does that 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 nice thing of setting up a like it. I mean, first of all, obviously, it sets up a finale in in a way no other film has done before. Like you were, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I heard the noises you made while listening to it. Like you feel ready listening yeah, to that. I was like, so you know ready for the last film. Happen. I was like, yeah. yes. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't. I know we haven't reviewed it yet, but um, no. But it but it pumps you up while being so different to what you've heard before. Yeah, and so depressing. It's like oh, it's the thing that I love about. Um, you know that I respect. I like. Uh, I'm not going to start talking about other films, but I love it when films are not scared to just kill their characters and stuff. Like, are they sure. not scared? They're not scared to be dirty in the way they are. Like, and this film really isn't. And hearing the soundtrack, it's like, yes, I yeah. cannot wait to feel sad. Come like, on, this is this is like the opposite of of leaving Hogwarts. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, I can't believe they're the same cuddling. series. This I is... literally forgot. This is sat around a graveyard music, like. <laughs> but how important to have had that journey? Oh, absolutely, yeah, and in, in it and it carries it without without dropping. Like every, I mean, every composer of the series, all four of them, yeah, it's four of them, um, all did a cracking job of it. Um, mm. And yeah, I just think the fact that a song like this is sort of synonymous with like you know obviously the love and friendship that's part of the series from the start, but also sort of it sounds a, it sounds quite a lot like a funeral march it's got a very sort of remembrance of the dead kind of feeling to it you can imagine people carrying a coffin to this yeah uh, yeah exactly oh if you want to do that at my funeral to this fair play i probably won't uh because that would be a little bit too much <laughs> fair. might ruin that film i'll get i'll give everyone a, a wand they can hold up at the end yeah <laughs> the light <laughs> the light on it yeah yeah <laughs> oh please do that at my to, funeral to, that'd be brilliant yeah what well, what well, to try and put out that bit of sick that's somehow on the ceiling <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, have you ever noticed that have you ever looked up at a ceiling at a church and thought why is there either a coffee stain or sick on that <laughs> oh god I, I i don't i don't even know i don't know oh dear but um exorcisms oh man jesus christ it's so horrible <laughs> but yeah um god i mean what what more do I say about it, really? I mean, yeah, it's a theme that 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 continuously symbolises Snape's love of Lily and Lily's sacrifice and the defeat of Voldemort and the death of all of like of loads of Harry's friends. It's weird that one piece of music carries all of those things. Like if you look, when we watch the film, when we what well, we rewatch it rather than discuss it, you'll note how many times this this melody. And piece of music comes up, it per- it's weird. It permeates the entire story of this last, the last act. It's, it's like it's the new Potter thing, in a way. Yeah, it's so weird. Film. It's played. It's it's so much more prevalent than the main theme. Hmm. 
which is and that's a that's quite a bold move in of itself, really. Yeah. And it's and obviously it's not by no means is it the first one to do this because obviously, as we've said, loads of the other films do not shy away of creating their own melodies for the for the story, which is something not like a lot of other franchises would just sit on their remaining, you know, soundtracks. Oh, yeah. So it's such a nice thing to have a series that that continues to change itself. Well, Harry Potter, in terms of attention to detail, is above and beyond everything else. So yeah, why not? Absolutely, that's it. I got I I got nothing else to add to that. Cool. Uh, I'm not going okay. to go off on any rant. That's all it is. <laughs> so my number two, and now these two, my top two pieces of music are probably both in my my top twenty favorite pieces of music ever. Oh, okay. We're like we're in like the absolute like creme de la creme of why I like movies. Okay. Um, and this is called K. That was uh, from The Godfather Part 2 and is by Carmine Coppola. Not to be confused with Carmine Falco. <laughs> <laughs> Literally just about to say that. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, sub- uh, I mean, that's yeah definitely in my top 10 pieces of music of all time. It's an absolute lesson in texture. Because like, they basically play the same two sections over and over, but with different instruments and different swells. And different um, like timbres, and you have like the jazz bit where it's just played on a piano, and it feels like you could have heard it in your home. And then that's followed up by the bit that you feel like you would have heard in the entrance to the poshest Las Vegas hotel, you know. Um, and the whole thing just capped off at the end by the main Godfather theme played to kind of swung melody. It's unbelievable. Um, like just as music, that is un- unbelievable. I mean, you you were like gushing to it, and you've not even seen the film. I look, the thing is, it's the thing. If it, <laughs> I've known you long enough that if we weren't recording, you would not need to even you wouldn't need to say a word to justify why that's your. I I, I get why that's for you. That's that like I'm surprised that's not your number one. I've never heard a piece of music that sounds more like your sort of music. Really? Yeah. It's so, Why? it's so in time with the, the 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 sort of the granny music era that you so often profess about. Yeah, like, I mean, this is fully the kind the, of music I wish I could write. Yeah, well, yeah, that's exactly my point. Like your aspiration is is it? Uh, yeah, it sounds. I mean, look, the problem is, yeah, as you've just revealed, my biggest sin in all of cinema is having never seen the Godfather films. Um, not helped by the fact that they've been bigged up to me so much that I struggle to believe that anything will live up, you know, anything could live up to it, which is an, a very irritating thing. But I think this has pushed me closer to wanting to w- w- watch them sooner, definitely. Yeah, I feel like you've just had a great advert. I, <laughs> I really have. I feel, I feel the best word for it is I feel transported by that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hundred percent. Like I, I was there just looking up the wall opposite me, listening to that, 
and yeah. I honestly felt like I was in Vegas or New York. <laughs> I felt like I was in the like the fifties. I was a yeah. gangster, and no matter what I tried, and no matter how much love I put into my life for my family, I couldn't do anything to stop the tragedy. I can do anything. Mm. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, they're like. I was yeah, about to say the Godfather that was luscious. Films, that's mental. Yeah, my goodness. Like, and the thing is, I'm not going to read anything in context of the films, but that comes at like one of the biggest blows in cinema. That piece oh, of okay. It's oh my goodness. That's interesting. That that didn't that didn't it didn't feel like that during it felt that felt like uh like the intro to something that felt like the start of something like big and momentous rather than that's twisted something. So that's really interesting. Mm. Like, it's just epic. Just what's epic also interesting is that piece of music sounded. I mean, obviously, it's difficult for me to know because I haven't seen the film. But that sounds so much like an existing like period piece that's being played in the background of something. Like that feels like it's yeah, especially you know when it does the regular regular history. Forget film history. That feels like it's part of history. That song. Yeah. Yeah. That was. It's just it just transcends all music. I'm glad you liked it. Also. Obviously, the theme of the Godfather movies is all about family, and that is written by the director's father. Really? He's yeah, called he Carmine? Yeah. How brilliant is that? I know, it's where all the cars come That's from. perfect! <laughs> it's awesome. I love that. And did you know, I didn't know this, um, as well as being, obviously, the, di- the director Francis Ford Coppola's uh, father, um, he's also the grandfather of Nicolas Cage. Shut up. How weird is that? Nicholas Cage's grandfather wrote that. <laughs> like, how weird is that? <laughs> I mean, if ever you needed more reason to assume that Nicholas Cage has had a strange upbringing, there's another yeah. nail in yeah. the coffin of his. Yeah, oh my God. I'd have to say anything else. I don't want to because I don't want to. Give I love how both our number you. two picks are just inexplicable. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, yeah. In many ways, this so could be weird. my number one. Like, subjectively, I I don't know. Yeah. Like, my number one is a bit more of an objective pick um, that edged objective. out over this. Yes, yeah, sort of. But okay. I actually do. I do think my number one is objectively as good as this. We have differed in that respect. My number one is quite subjective. I would say. Go on then. Okay, so for number one spot, the title of this piece of music is "Why So Serious." So, this is a piece of score from uh, The Dark Knight. Uh, this is composed by Hans Zimmer and James Newton Howard. Uh, it's sort of split kind of unevenly between the two of them. It's not really clear who wrote what, but between the two of them, they're at the soundtrack of this film. I don't really know where I start with this, because this is 
this me putting this at number one is strange because I didn't I didn't think that I didn't realize that I thought this was number one until I did this until I looked through all the soundtracks and listened to them. Um, but it turns out I do think so. Um, and that's mostly because I think this has the single greatest uh, musical cue or leitmotif in a film, um, which is that introducing uh, violin string. I think it's it's pitch perfect uh, because it accompanies... I mean, mostly I picked this suite because it accompanies and helps to define one of cinema's greatest ever performances, as I'm sure you'll probably agree. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that slow violin string, it's sharp, it's painful, and it gives that feeling of it being an unstoppable force, um, <laughs> which is obviously what that character represents. And it also like it signifies the, like complete chaos because there's no melody. It's just it's blind and it's horrible. And there's something you pointed out which I I hadn't even considered that much. You know how it starts like a very slow like it's like a violin string, and by the end of it you don't even realise it sort of sounds like a horrible um, feedbacking electric guitar that's out. Yeah, of and tune. by the time it cuts out, it honestly sounds like that was a guitar. Yeah, and exactly. And also um, there's loads of bits uh, where it's doing the Hans Zimmer effect of the da 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 da. But like points of it sound like violins, and points sound full on like heavy metal guitars. Well, that yeah, and that, and that jumps in later. But like every every time I hear that that slow drone, it makes me, well, ironically, grin like mental, um, because in the film it's it's signified at each point where something is happening. You hear that it's it's very much like the um, the eyes wide shut thing, where something normal yeah. is going on, and suddenly you hear that, and it's slowly building at the back of the ear, and you think oh shit, something horrible is about to happen. And even though on the screen, nothing, everything is fine, but you know that it's coming. And it's just, that's such a, a fantastic way of building a score around the story. And yeah, then like you say, then that, that, that crunch happens. And it's like, it's sudden, it's powerful. It's, sort of, it's almost gri- grimy and sort of, it's like gritty. It's quite strange. It's such a, and it, me using this is quite, this piece of music is quite, um, difficult to explain because compared to the rest of the film's score which is very very soothing very soft in a way even though it's loud this is such a heavy contrast to that um it's like it's 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 filthy for want of a better phrase (laughs) (laughs) i feel weird having said that but like it's true it it symbolizes everything that it's the scent and that symbolizes that central conflict that makes it the sounds, film so compelling. It sounds like an animal. It really does sound like yeah, you're listening to it's a mad dog. Chaos. You know? Yeah, a mad dog. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh... um, also, one of my one of my favourite things about um, a part of this score is how there are numerous points. I won't impersonate it, but there's essentially a, there's a violin drop where it starts to it, it like a, this is a normal violin, not the the screeching sound effect where it builds. Um, very much like it does in the for the Dark Knights theme, but instead of yeah, resolving on that that triumphant note, it plummets completely and hits the floor. Doesn't it go? Yeah, it just completely shuts off. In, in Batman's theme, you have the horns. So yeah, and it's just it's wonderful because it's that it's just yeah it's that build up and suddenly it shoots you to the ground. And plummets, well, then which is like, that works really well because that's the unstoppable force and the immovable object is the fact that they're there. They are literally the two ends of the coin, aren't they? Yeah, and the fact uh, that that's what it, the music's representing there. Yeah, and the fact that it looks like the Joker's going to lose, and then he doesn't in the end. He basically wins. Essentially, that's sort of what the film is almost about. And that's and that being represented in the music is amazing. There's also side note, 
a really cool bit in this uh, in this suite, which is I'm almost cheating using this, but you can't. They, um, there's a section of a like very slow uh, honky tonk piano. It's a bit that plays in the interrogation scene, um, and it's such a little thing, but it's a fantastic nod okay. to the. Uh, so basically, it sounds like it sounds like it's from a circus, like it's got a very sort of clown influences, but like from a sort of horror perspective. Oh, cool! Yeah, um, it's such a neat little thing. It's very, very like Pennywise from from it, in a way. Um, but it's such a nice little sort of tone to put yeah. in there to sort of remind people of the history of the character. Um, I just, yeah, it just, it doesn't put a foot wrong, and it just, like I say, it it completely like. Yeah, perfectly accompanies like just one of the like basically the best part of one of the best films of our lives, really. And I never, I never realized. Dark Knight is definitely top ten. Yeah, and I never, I never realized until now how involved the music for the Joker was in in play in 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 creating that. So I I admit this is it's quite a personal pick of mine, but I just couldn't I can't escape every single second. This this score is ridiculous. Don't get me wrong, I don't think it's an unfair choice at all. Yeah, and actually, it's quite enlightening. I'd I'd really it's probably a strength of how good the film is in a way. I'd really never thought about well, it. This is the this music. is exactly yeah, that's exactly it. That's this is a weird thing about the whole trilogy. I never think about the music in this trilogy. Yeah, never. But you, but you try taking it away and see what happens to it. It'd be boring. Like, well, yeah, obviously that happens with any film. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's so. Like, you, okay, so you said you right, quite rightly that the Inception was was Hans Zimmer's uh, Sergeant Pepper. Well, I would say that Dark Knight is his White Album. It's yeah. it's him like just doing everything at once, <laughs> and like he doesn't he doesn't he's not caring about like trying to like focus it on one specific idea like he's putting everything yeah. on the table and to be fair and james newton howard uh definitely helps do that because he doesn't i think james newton howard does a lot of the more sort of sorrow sorrowful scores like the, the section that plays when uh harvey dent's threatening to kill uh jim's kids like all those oh, sort of sections goodness. and stuff like that and he was just trying to take down the mark <laughs> it's your favorite fucking line but there's there's so <laughs> many like I, we haven't even i haven't even mentioned the actual the dark knight theme in this and that's in itself could have, could have honestly that could have been number one for me as well. There's so there's so many things in our scores that are from great series, aren't there? Or like uh, great trilogies. Yeah, it's true. And the funny the th- Dark Knight trilogy is unbelievable. Yeah, but I do think the Dark Knight. Even I mean, it's it, it feels easy to say this because a lot of people tend to agree that it's the best film. But I do also think it does have the best soundtrack. And as we we keep saying during this list, those two things are one and the same. It's kind of hard to separate them. So, yeah. Well, you know, the fact that you haven't f- flipped out in shock with my pick is has is been relieving for me. Yeah, I'm yeah, so yeah. glad to have actually gotten that off my chest because when I when I did this list a couple of days ago, I was like, "Holy shit!" How am I going to be upset with you picking that? Like, I on. don't know, but because it's a bit left like... field. Like, I wouldn't have ever thought that you would pick that because I, I stand by it. I absolutely yeah, stand yeah, by no, it. It's an absolute ten, especially having just listened to five out of nine minutes of it just now myself. Yeah, and <laughs> like not it's such to a long suite. <laughs> yeah, but who cares? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um. And like you could hear the sounds as well of like cars being mixed in and helicopters with the, the rest yeah. of it. And just that chaos, just amazing. And like combining the ur- the urban sounds are so important. 
because it's that yeah, open absolutely. chaos and it's it's what um j- the Joker being like the idea, especially in the Dark Knight, of like what our world does to people. Yeah, exactly. He's the the, the weird the thing is he's yeah, but he's kind of like a, a weirdly like a Robin Hood villain, but without caring for the poor at all. <laughs> That's the weird thing. Well, yeah. Uh, there, there, there's an element of him where like you you do feel like yeah, you know what he does I, Batman's job better than him. Yeah, well, that's the point, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's basically like the Red Hood idea, in a way. Yeah. <laughs> it's like less convoluted. And the thing is, yeah. listen to that soundtrack made me think, now that I've very recently just finished reading what uh, online all agreed to be like the key Batman texts mm. in terms of like the graphic novels. And I would actually say, um, like some of them were amazing, don't get me wrong, like amazing. But I still think The Dark Knight is better than any of them. Yeah. And like, that's wow. Fair. And and the Dark Knight is actually very true to them. So I that's so hard. That is this, yeah, this is why. I'm not sure if it's, many people would agree with that. So that's interesting. I have obviously I'm not educated on the subject, but that's interesting. I, I think it's very true to the nature of at least the uh, the 1980s view of Batman, at least, mm. like um, in terms of like year one and stuff like that. And yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I just feel like um, this is the reason I haven't been excited about Batman films since The Dark Knight Rises. Because I genuinely just don't have anything. I don't feel like I have anything to be excited about because I feel like there's no point in doing another Batman film. Well, and you I do know, now because yeah, I know, I know. The next one is exciting, and Joker was great as well. But like, exactly. it, but but initially, I just kind of feel a bit like, well, you're never going to do as good as that, <laughs> and you might not. So, but you might still, you know, reach excellence. There's still lots of excellence to be. Reached. But you, but that's the point. You don't need to beat Heath Ledger's Joker. You just need to create a new one. No, well, to be fair, Joker. I think Wacken Phoenix's Joker is arguably equal. It's just very different. I don't think it's okay. Well, I don't. I it's don't hard. think it's equal. The, no, because the film isn't as good. Yeah. And so you can only be as good as the film you're in, really. Exactly. I think Heath Ledger's Joker was more lightning in a bottle. Joaquin's yeah. was more obviously a perfectionist at work, delivering a perfection. Like yeah, yeah. it's, it's kind a, of it's hard to. It is an incredible yeah. unmissable performance, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Okay. I I I I've just written down three scores that I think will be your number one, but I'm really not sure which one it's going to be, and it might not be any of them. And I'm okay. really quite. I'm. I think I might have missed something. Well, I'm genuinely a bit upset that my one wasn't anywhere in your list, my number one. Okay. Because I actually think this is kind of silly. It sounds a bit up my. So hang on, wait, wait. Before you before you say what it is, I kind of think this is a no brainer. Is this is this something you know that I really like? I think you really underrate it. Oh, okay. So you're not actually surprised that I didn't put it in. I'm hurt that you didn't put it in. You're hurt. Yeah, I am. I think it's really unfair. Okay. Like, I, don't, I wouldn't care if it was 10th. I think you've been really unfair by not putting this in the Oh, list. I know what it is. No, I do know what it is. And I'm, oh, I'm being stupid. Of course I know what it is. But, and it's, and my response is, yeah, you'll, you'll see. Better not be a dick. Okay. Do you go. This is called James Bond, brackets from Dr. No.
this is uh, from the film Doctor No, but also the Grand of James Bond series. And it's uh, by John Barry and Orchestra, but also says here, songwriter Monty Norman. So there you go. And yeah, I always found that weird. one of the greatest yet simplest pieces of jazz music ever. Probably the best in terms of being simple and accessible. And at this time in uh, film history, you didn't get jazz scores. Yeah. That's... And this and this hits a mainstream with the greatest jazz score plus one of the best guitar, probably the maybe the best guitar lick ever. And it feels exact. It's exactly on the nose. I you cannot come away from this piece without feeling like an absolute masculine legend, like the coolest guy in the world. You've got the the you, and it incorporates bits from film noir. You've got the film noir feel of the dum 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 dum. But then you've got the big band sound, like incorporating what was popular in the sixties, that Sinatra element with the da da. And then, oh, which is unbelievable. And the best bit is the that's amazing. Um, and I just love the fact that last note sounds like a gunshot as well. And this thing's like two minutes and a bit. Yeah. It's absolute lightning in a bottle. I would even argue it's top five piece, best pieces of music ever. It's so concise. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. In many ways, I completely agree with you. I just think it's perfect. I also think, um, put aside how good it is, just how iconic it is, and put that on top. Like, oh, yeah, they're... absolutely. It's one of the first things that people want to learn as soon as they get a guitar. Yeah. Because it sounds sick. Yeah, it he is... sounds like an absolute hero. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah, yeah. I learned this on piano the other day. I learned it in 10 minutes. And I, and I honestly, even though it's probably really easy... I felt like the coolest guy in the world, and that mm. is precisely what the Bond theme, what the Bond movies are about. They are an yeah. ego trip. For, I mean, whether it's, it's right also... or wrong, they are kind of an ego trip for um, like heterosexual white men. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's very possible that Bond as a franchise would not have taken off if it weren't for that theme. Yeah, it's almost it's it's, like, it's the same thing that happened with the Lord of the Rings soundtrack. You find you find it quite True. strange that the books didn't have that soundtrack. Didn't have that exactly. Like that's such a weird thing to think. This, this piece of music is perfect. Yeah. And the thing is, yeah, like the the piece before this, Godfather, that makes me cry. It's re- and it's really delicate and emotional. But this is absolute lining in a bottle. Rock meets jazz, in your face. Well, um, world's you know best banana. You know, I would actually go one further than that, and I would actually say that that Bond theme, or just the Bond soundtrack as a whole, has defined those films way more than the source material. Like, it's yeah. gone beyond it at this point, because yeah. of the tone set by that. Yeah, I completely agree. Right, so can you understand why it's my number one? Do you understand? Yeah, absolutely. Completely. I don't... Yeah. I have no quarrel at all. Are you try- are you building towards asking why I didn't? Like, <laughs> I feel like there's a but. Like you're gonna get at me for like, oh, you know, shit doesn't deserve to be in the top ten or something. No, 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 not at all. I couldn't, I couldn't put it in my list. This is such a difficult thing to explain. I mean, the, the first thing is obvious. I knew you'd be putting it in here, so I wasn't worried about it being excluded. But the main thing is so. But the James Bond soundtracks are one of the soundtracks generally that I listen to the most. But after Harry Potter, they're probably the ones I listen to more most. Now, 
on my like short list of like 30 about 10 of them were uh from James Bond films but the reason I couldn't put it in there is that 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 theme is at its best when it's being used by the tone of the specific film it's in and I and I honestly I listen to I listen to the Bond themes use in every single Bond film all 25 of them or whatever and I couldn't decide which one I liked most and I got tempted to using the first one but I but I didn't think it was the best one so I I was stuck I I couldn't pick the one that was most original because I didn't think it was the best one but I couldn't pick the best one because I didn't think it was from necessarily I couldn't pick which one that was so it was I I I was stuck between a rock and a hard place I just couldn't do it okay. there are so many bits of also there are so many bits of Bond soundtrack that aren't that theme that I wanted to put in this list. Yeah, I um, had nobody does it better on mine. Oh, see, okay. Down. So I nearly my literally my my number one honourable mention is a piece of music called Quartermaster, which is from Skyfall. Oh yeah, which is like you won't you won't even know it by the by the by the name, but it's it's a section played during the uh, Silver's Escape. And oh, okay. it's got this. It's this blend of um, like old classic espionage sound with the flutes and like new age technology with sort of uh, electronic beats and stuff. And it's honestly one of the most just tonally synonymous, perfect things I've ever listened to. But I couldn't put it in because I because that would be excluding the Bond theme. It was so. I found it's it's the same oh, okay. reason. It's fair it's enough. To so be fair, really, the reason you couldn't put it in is because you love them too. You know much. what it is? The reason it's the same reason I didn't put any piece of music from the Harry Potter franchise that includes the uh, the Hedwig's theme uh, melody because I can't decide which piece of music yeah, uses that melody used, best. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I and I <laughs> this is I know, it's, it's such a pathetic excuse, and I do kind of now feel. But well, I know. I'm glad I fitted in other things. No, no, no. Instead. It's good. It, there was, you know, very little point in us both putting it. I was yeah. just, I was just under the impression that you were going to be like it's overrated or something ridiculous. Oh, like that. F- what, do it is think, not, what do you it's think? It's an of absolute me? forty-two out of ten. Yeah. Like it's unbelievable <laughs> how cool it is. It's That's the coolest thing I've. <laughs> it is the coolest thing I've ever heard. I mean, coolness. I can't. I can't disagree. Yeah, I've been putting, which is perfectly what Bond is all about, and I've been. Yeah. Um, putting this a playlist of these ten songs on all week, trying to you know be sure about what my ten are, <laughs> and um, every time this is on, like whoever's in the room with me, everyone acts cooler. Yeah, and that's what music does, and that's kind of why, possibly why film music is one of the best music because you pr- you don't really get that from. Well, from other... I guess because it's related to a visual medium. You are very much even so. When you listen to music, yeah, you take its meaning on and you apply it to your own life. But with music for films, you're not only identifying with the character, the music is helping you identify with them more. And so, because you're identifying with the character and the music is their theme, it kind of becomes your theme too. And exactly. you take that on. You take that on yourself, and there's another dimension then to yeah. how you identify. And this is and this is obviously tied up quite a lot in in the way we've been raised, and obviously both being male, the aspiration of of Bond was is so vital to not vital, but it was so instrumental in so many people of of our generation and obviously previous generations. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's up. literally it's literally um, 
he is like the male id. If you're talking about in a Freudian way, like it's literally <laughs> sure, just like yeah. how many women can I sleep with and it'd be fine. Yeah, like it's not it's not a good role model, like by any stretch. No, he's you not, no, he's you, not. you shouldn't aspire to be like but, that. But but he is he's he's a secret dream. It's like it's a fifty shades of that's it's, the point. It's, it's like a fifty shades of grey for men, isn't it? Well, kind of is actually. It's like do you true. know what I mean? Like it's not it's probably not a good idea. You know, and <laughs> in many ways it's probably you know, morally wrong and like nationalist yeah oh absolutely yeah and, uh, and that's why yeah. the new the newer films have done well in making it to distance themselves from that yeah yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's absolutely. Been very important but but luckily um, music doesn't uh discriminate in that way so no it hasn't thankfully and that's not me saying that anyone who isn't you know white british male can't think this is the coolest theme ever you know or can't identify i'm just mm. saying as a white british male I feel that this film is trying to do certain things for me, and some of them things are really bad. Yeah, but it's very seductive, isn't it? Yeah, but 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 we separate it, and the music in itself is it doesn't matter because that in itself is just pure one hundred percent unadulterated coolness. Yeah, high octane, boom, and it <laughs> moves between like the um, just yeah, like I say, like the noir sections and the the big band Sinatra sections and. It ticks so many types of cool. It, t- it like it t- it ticks like cool because you're great at stealth. It ticks cool because you're really lavish and you're really grand. And it ticks cool because you can play electric guitar. Mm. You know, I'm I'm actually kind of like it was kind of weird. Um, are you right if we start closing up now? Because I, I wanted to just kind of say, did you notice uh, throughout your listening and what you put in your top ten, like any particular themes in what you liked? So I kind of noticed overall homely piano music or war and warm strings are like what i go for but also i found like a few of my top picks all were the only ones in the list that had electric guitar yeah i Um, find for me in the first half of the list it was it's mostly um concise um storytelling and then i think as it goes on towards my top ones it tends to it's difficult to say really it tends to be just about how much detail they can cram into one small space mm. that i mean that was what clinched the number one spot for me was i couldn't i i literally i ran off the page with notes as i listened to it i had to keep putting it back and it's night and it's obviously 10 minutes long and it was just it was just it was overwhelming what i find interesting is so not not that this is a criticism, but I was so but it's it so speaks to how good some of this music is that you didn't include Indiana Jones or yeah, Back yeah. to the Future or Pink yeah. Panther. I and thought you included Pink Panther. Uh, believe me, I forgot about Pink Panther. That should be up there. <laughs> I'm really gutted. That should be third place. And I'm I, so no, no, no. Oh, oh, I've wasted all my time. You should have done that I mean instead this. of a uh, no, no. Once. I've hun- I've hundred percent wasted my time. I can't believe. I feel embarrassed that some of this stuff's in here and that isn't. So, right, but that's you, always going to happen. Please, please put that as the closing song to the podcast. Oh, oh I oh. honestly feel ashamed <laughs> that I, I can't. I'm red. I'm looking at myself now. I've I gone do, red. I, I do not s- handle that. I cannot handle that. Uh, I do also want to say that I nearly put in um, Frankenstein's monster from X Men First Class and. Um, we are oh, sex bomb from goodness, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Oh yeah, uh, that, we love, the other. We, we, oh, we're oh. to sing about death and stuff. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, All the other honorable mentions I've already mentioned. So yeah, I've already mentioned one as to. well. That is so to play I us can't out. Believe the X Men thing. To, to to play us out, the Pink Panther. Great film. Thank God that's over. If we had a comment section, we'd ask for your thoughts, but we don't, so you can't. So we won't. Bad luck. See ya.